God bless and welcome to this week's episode of Family Discussion. We are so glad that you've joined us today. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Jesus teaches us in the Gospel of John that the world will know that we are his followers by the way that we love one another. And yet it seems like the love of Jesus is less and less evident in the way that we speak to and about one another, especially when we disagree. So, in the hopes of recapturing the brother-sister love that Jesus has won for us, we are calling a family meeting. For the next half hour, let's cut through the noise and look at the issues without slander and malice. It's time for a family discussion. God bless and welcome back to another episode of Family Discussion. My name is Marcus Ortega. I'm one of your hosts. And as always, I'm joined by the brilliant Lisa Spencer. Lisa, how are you doing today? Um, not feeling so brilliant um, because, oh, as no. our listeners might know, I work for a nonprofit that promotes and celebrates um, ethnic diversity with an international focus, which means... Mm-hmm. I should really know how to spell different countries <laughs> and what different happened? names of different cultures. And for some odd reason, recently, I have been misspelling Colombia. So, oh, yeah, so I'm not feeling so brilliant today. But thank you for that shout <laughs> out and that boost of confidence anyway. <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, there's there's two different Colombias. There's the Colombia with the U, that's the university. And then there's the Colombia with an yeah. O. Uh, yeah, just say it with a little bit of an accent. And, and it'll, it'll be, be right, right there. there. Yeah, I've been punning to right that there. U for whatever no. reason, even though I know I, I know better. Because I have spelled it right before. But um, And it took my board president to point it out to me, so... I'm definitely not feeling very brilliant right now. Oh, man. Well, that's, you know, these mistakes happen. No, no, no worries. worries. No it, worries. it is all good. Uh, excited, about, excited about the things that you've got happening next year down there in Roanoke. Well, I'm sure at some point get to tell the audience all about yeah. that. But um, listen, before we get started, a couple shout outs for both of us. I, I want to shout out somebody real quick. Um, it was a real blessing to me. When I was traveling a few weeks ago, I got to go down to Arizona, spend some time down there with family, um, and I got to worship in my mom's church. I'd never worshipped in her church before, so it was, it was real joy to worship with her. And so uh, I want to just quickly say a thank you publicly to Reverend Scott Brown at New Valley Church in Chandler, Arizona. What a wonderful worship service. Which is uh, what denomination? sermon what? out of... What is the denomination? It is a PCA Yay, yeah, denomination. It's a yeah. <laughs> she's uh, my mom Googled EPC churches, and the nearest one was too far, and so she has decided. Well, the next best thing, if I can't have the EPC, would be the PCA. Oh, and so man, she, we're yeah. Hey, you wanted to bring it up. You wanted to bring it up. <laughs> um, anyway, now. A wonderful church, beautiful worship service, uh, just a great Christ-honoring sermon out of Romans 8. Um, it was a great time, and, and it's encouraging, you know, to know that your your mom is worshiping in a really healthy and, and Christ-centered church. Uh, and so, uh, big shout out to Reverend Scott Brown, uh, Reverend Scott Brown and New Valley Church there in Chandler, Arizona. Thank you for a wonderful morning of worship. 
Uh, so that's the shout out I wanted, but you also said before we recorded that you wanted to shout somebody out. Yeah, as well. and actually, it's not so much of a shout out. Something I neglected to say the last uh, in our last episode, we were kind of catching up on how our summer was, and I neglected to mention one that I got to see my son, which is great because you know oh, he whoops. still lives in Dallas. <laughs> like how I don't know how can I forget him? Mm-hmm. Um, he still lives in Dallas. He's 1,100 miles away. So it's really precious when I am able to spend some time with him. Um, and then the other, I talked about my Chicago trip and how rich that was. And one thing I neglected to mention was that I got to meet up with a dear sister in Christ who I've been Facebook friends with for a number of years and have, you know, a lot of very positive interactions. In fact, I would say if I were to list my top five people on Facebook, you know, my Facebook friend list Mm. that encourages me in the Lord, like I look at her posts and I am encouraging the Lord, I would say she's in the top five, you know, and that in in social media being what it is Mm -hmm. these days, you know, that's saying something. So she lives in Chicago and we got to meet up with her. She's actually recently joined an OPC church. And so we worshiped with her and had lunch with her. Which which OPC church? Do you know where the OPC is? Is it the OPC church? It's not Wheaton. It's Indian, Indian Hills, Indian Head. I think Indian Head, okay, Westminster, okay. a really, not, I mean, really great little church. In fact, one of the things that really awesome. impressed me was at the end of the service, they took prayer requests. And apparently, this is for the whole church. And so apparently, this is a regular Sunday happening. You know, then that's usually says something huh. that happens in small groups, right? But this was yeah, like the whole, yeah, this right. was like the whole church. And I love that because it really showed like, yeah, we're going to give you the preaching of the word and sacraments, but we're also here to care for you as people. Yeah. And, um, and so just, you know, that whole experience, especially meeting up with her, it's, you know, it, it took it out of the realm of online and you got that more personal connection. And so mm. that was really Amen. a highlight of the trip. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Do you want to put her first name out there? Latanya, yes. Give a shout out to Latanya. I actually have had an opportunity to speak with her on the the phone, and um, she's just a really dear sister in Christ. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, thank you for for sharing that. I asked about that OPC Church in Wheaton because that's where a buddy of mine is pastoring. He's the pastor of the OPC Church in Wheaton, so I was curious if Latanya was maybe going to that church, but... No, it's, uh, I think, the other side of Chicago from where she's at. But um, that's great. That is uh, that is wonderful to be able to visit some of these other churches and, and sister denominations and really just kind of enjoy uh, being mm-hmm. fed by other pastors. I know that's been a huge joy of mine as a pastor to get to sit under somebody else's yeah. preaching and, uh, and also not have to do the work of the church, but just be in church. That doesn't happen very often for pastors. And so, uh, it's a real joy to get to do that. We are in episode two of this season, but the last, uh, episode was really an introductory episode. We talked about where we've been last season, where we're headed, a little bit of the headspace or even heart space and where we're at coming into these conversations. But now it's time to hit the ground running. We are looking at our third major theological category 
and that is the doctrine of humanity, or the doctrine of man is the old language. Um, anthropology is the technical language, right? So we're, we're talking about what does it mean to be human and all that comes with being human. And we're going to follow that up later this season with uh, how has sin distorted that humanity? Um, but I think a great place to start our conversation before we get into the nuts and bolts of God's creative act, I think we start one step before that, which is why did God create human beings? And why did he create us differently or more special than the rest of creation? Because all of creation is good. All of creation was created for God's glory. But there's something special about the creation of human beings. And so, Lisa, reaching back into our Presbyterianness, you don't have to reach that far back because this is like one of the first things you learn. Lisa, what is the chief end of man? Why have we been created? To worship God and enjoy Him forever. Amen. There you go. What? Why is this the why of this? I, I, I think it'd be helpful if you just kind of share a little bit of the why is sitting in the human purpose of giving glory to God and enjoying him. Why is that a helpful controlling concept for us as we're talking about what it means to be human? Hmm. Well, you know, I go, you know, when I look at the first two chapters of Genesis and before we even get into the image of God, which I think is a, you know, large, you know, you know, and just in terms of when we think about the why and what that means for us and who God created us to be, before we even get to that, you know, we look at the good God who made everything ex nihilo, right, out of nothing, and made this creation and said, it's good. It's not just good, it's very good. So everything he made was good. But then in when you get to chapter two, and it's, you know, kind of, you know, chapter one lays out, you know, in day one, this happened, in day two, this happened, in day, but you get to chapter two, and it just kind of takes this whole sum of creation, and, you know, but then God says, and the, but then the, the uh, scripture says that God looked at what he made, I'm paraphrasing, God looked at what he made and saw that there was no one there to tend to it. And to me, that, you know, that says something that, you know, when God made humans, it, 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 was, it, it bestows on us um, it, it, a stewardship, yes, but there's something very special about humanity in terms, in context of God's creation that, you know, really it, 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 it ought to impact. Well, one, it, it definitely on impact our worship, right? Um, it ought to create in us a not just a heart of worship, but a heart of humility. Um, to know that this, you know, this great God who made everything says, "Okay, human, you know, you have a special task." Yeah, yeah, that purpose, that task, does differentiate us from the rest of creation. Because 
while all creation, I don't know if this is precise language, but passively gives glory to God by virtue of being creation, we are called to actively glorify God and enjoy him forever. We do this with intention, rationally, with our hearts. We are, we are called as his special creation to be the pinnacle of his creation and to lead the charge in the whole of the creation, glorifying God and enjoying him forever. And uh, we see this in a couple different places in the scriptures. So Isaiah 60 is one of those places. Uh, it is a promise of return from exile. But within this larger promise, here's what we have. Um, your sun will never set again. Your moon will wane no more. The Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of sorrow will end. And so there's some really eschatological language, even going past return from exile. Here's very kingdom, end of, end of all things language. Then all your people will be righteous. They will possess the land forever. They are the shoot I have planted, the work of my hands. There's creation language for the display of my splendor. You're the works of my hands for the display of my splendor. I think it's absolutely beautiful language to show the, the real purpose of why he created us. We get to display the splendor of God in and through our humanity. Um, I think we can get really, we're going to talk about this over these next couple weeks. We get super Gnostic about humanity where um, our physical bodies and material world because of sin they, they can't display the glory of God anymore, that we've lost that. I don't think that's true at all. I think that being human displays the splendor of our creator. Uh, another beautiful passage, Revelation chapter 4, the very end of the chapter, um, gives us a glimpse into what God had intended for his creation. Here's the living creature's and the 24 elders worshiping God at the end of Revelation 4, and they say, Worthy are you, our Lord and God. You're worthy to receive glory and honor and power for or because you created all things. And by your will they existed and were created. And so even this picture of the throne room with all of creation worshiping before the Lord, they're pointing back to you receive glory because you're creator. And so we, as the pinnacle of creation, get to lead the charge in that. And that's an incredible privilege, an incredible responsibility mm -hmm. as well, as God's people uh, to lead the charge and be the, the, we are all the worship leaders for all of creation, leading creation in the worship of God. There's something really beautiful about right. that, I think. Amen. And, you know, a couple of thoughts on that. One is, and uh, particularly in our reform circles, I think that it's really important to, um, you know, to remember that. I think, you know, when you look at the history of Christianity and you look at what the church has sort of focused on, the areas of doctrine that the church has focused on, and, you know, because of the, you know, uh, the controversies that were in play at the time, right? So in the early right, first right. centuries, you had, you know, um, controversies around Christology and then, mm -hmm. you know, leading up to the Reformation and the post-Reformation, there were issues about, 
soteriology and ecclesiology in the latter 19th century. Then there's a focus on eschatology, right? I think the doctrine of anthropology has been a neglected doctrine in the American Christian church. Um, and I and I think because just because of the issues of our day, there has been a more of a focus on it, which I actually think is a good thing, right? Because especially in our reform circle, and and because and I don't want to, you know, elevate Reformed and Presbyterianism as, you know, kind of like the superior, um, you know, uh, denomination or sect. But because we place such a high view of God's sovereignty, you know, we have such a high view of God's sovereignty in creation. And we, um, you know, grasp, I believe, maybe sometimes not consistently, but you know, the, the, the doctrine of total depravity, um, there's a tendency, I think, to kind of minimize our humanity. And, you know, in thinking about the passages you read and what you said, yeah, we are, you know, we don't want to treat man as a mere biological function, but sometimes it seems that we can go that way. Right. Well, your your job is to be a vessel. This is true. Um, but when we consider who God made man to be and reflecting that splendor, I think sometimes we can minimize that maybe out of fear of liberalism or whatever fears, you know, that we have. But it's not something we should undermine. Uh, for fear of putting too much emphasis on man. Yeah, we understand that, you know, the liberal factions have gone that way, but that doesn't mean we cannot be faithful to who God said we are supposed to be and what, what our job and our task is. Well, and I think you're absolutely right. It's the fear that we don't want to give into here. We, we, you don't do theology by reaction. That's never a good way to come to solid theology. And so when your theology is reactionary against the liberal project, when you see man-centered theologies out there, you're naturally wary of them, but you, it, it does cause you to maybe um, de-emphasize things too much because you're so afraid of falling in that ditch. And so I, I think you're absolutely right. And... And I think this has led us to be somewhat um, unable, because we don't have a strong anthropology, somewhat unable to deal with some of the challenges the society has thrown at us because they are centered around what does it mean to be human? What, what is the purpose and role of sexuality? What is the purpose and role and design of gender? What do we do with things like race and ethnicity? All of these questions are anthropological questions, um, theologically speaking here, in the, in the theological loci. I'm not saying it's for the anthropologists. I'm saying these are anthropo anthropology, doctrine of man questions that have other, theolo other theological categories connected to them. 
But if you don't have a strong anthropology, if you don't know who we have been created to be and why we've been created to be that way, you're left without a very helpful tool as we're walking through the confusion that's out there today. Um, and some of this has led to some misunderstanding about what it means to be human at a fundamental level. Um, I think that it is very popular, for example, for people to say that human beings are cursed by God. Mm. It's just mm. not true biblically. Right. And, and let's, so let's, let's get into the text a little bit here. Um, Genesis 1 starting in verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, all right? And so immediately after creation, there's the blessing of God on his people. This is different than any other aspect of creation in Genesis 1. We don't see this kind of of relationship creating between God and the animals or God and plant life or God and the seas. He sees them, he sees all of creation, but then he sees people and he blesses the people that he has created. And that blessing is never revoked. The serpent is cursed in Genesis 3. The ground is cursed in Genesis 3. People now must live within a cursed world and with a cursed enemy coming for us we are also sinners now but we're not under a we're, we're not actively cursed by god as people we're blessed by god because we are the pinnacle of his creation and and i think in our reform circles we so quickly move to the doctrine of sin that we lose sight of our original creation and what we're made to be, and we start throwing out some things, like all of humanity lives under the blessing of God in a cursed world, but under the blessing of God. That doesn't mean all people are saved. I'm not preaching universalism here, but we do all have a blessing over us. And I just think that that gets lost because we have so been afraid of a liberal project that would preach a universalism or that would say that there is no such thing as sin. Um, and so we've, we've missed some things in what it is to be human. I think you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. Um, you know, and just thinking about how that relates to the image of God. And I don't know if you want to tackle that here or you want to wait to the next episode, because I think, when I see some of the issues that are in play today is that I think we have, we really need to have a robust understanding of what the image of God is um, because it's multifaceted. Um, and with some, and again, you know, when you treat it in, um, you know, it's kind of a, you know, mono theme um, with a mono theme application. I think that's what we, Lose, and then you add fear on top of that. That's where we really lose what it, you know, what it means to be human. I think you're absolutely right. And that's why we're going to spend at least one episode, maybe even two episodes, picking through what does it mean to be made in his image and made in his image and likeness. I mean, this is the, the first thing that we see the first time human beings are, are mentioned 
God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so image and likeness are bound into our role as, as rulers or um, vicegerents, vice-regents. That's the old language, right? That we rule in, in, as representatives of God. Um, and so we're going to talk a lot about what is creation mandate, how does the image play into that? Is that all the image is? Is there more to the image than that? So we're going to get into that. But one of the things that's interesting about the special creation of man is the way it's described in Genesis 2. All right, so you already have, have taken us to Genesis 2. You showed us that there's this, um, there's nobody to care for the creation. And so now we create people. The description of creation of Adam is something that we don't get of any other piece of, of creation. He is made, um, let's just go to uh, verse 8 of chapter 2. Do you want to read this to us? You've got your Bible open too. So 8, uh, nope, sorry, not 8. Let's go a little bit further back. Um, 7, let's just do 7 because eight's about okay. the garden. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. You know, and let me interject, we don't see him doing this with the animals, right? That's so right. Just the fact that this is thing. being specified as something separate from animals, I think is very, very telling. Um, Amen. And the man became a living creature. Yes, a living creature, a living soul. Um, I I don't want a hobby horse, so I'm gonna be super careful here because I can get on a, I, I can, I can put a pulpit in front of me for this one. Genesis two seven is very clear that we are made equally physical and non physical. That those we we ought not prioritize one over the other. We are physical and non-physical. We will spend eternity, physical and non-physical. Both of those things are true. The fact that we will be separated from our bodies at death is part of the effects of sin. <laughs> and so we don't want to, we, we have so prioritized, I think the evangelical culture has done this, we have prioritized the inner life of the soul to the detriment of our understanding of what our bodies are. And here's where I think it has really hurt us. The culture's done the same thing. You're really what's on the inside. What's on the inside is what matters, not what's on the outside. And it started with beauty, right? Fair enough, beauty is about you know your, your character as well as your physical attributes and your personality and all those things. But then, and we're going to have a whole episode dedicated to this. So I don't want to go too far into this. But then you get to questions of gender. And it's about what you feel on the outside, not about your body. Sex is no longer physical. It, somehow, sex is purely internal. And evangelicals who have so focused on the inner life find themselves completely confused as to how to respond because they agree with the premise. And it's not a biblical premise. And and so that's, I, again... And again, you know, going back to what I said a few minutes ago about the neglect, because, you know, we do have to take into account that when God created 
everything when he put his creation you know into being and he created humans to rule over that creation there was a physicality involved with the theology right it wasn't yes. just oh okay you know god didn't say okay adam now i want you to go worship me i want you to go have your quiet time you know <laughs> focus on me it was what adam did with his body yeah. was in line with his with the immaterial parts right his the you know the, the heart the affections the desires all of that was supposed to be in alignment and what the fall did was you know i think you mentioned it it perfectly which is why you know speaking of hobby horses let me get on mine for a minute right because if you look at first corinthians chapter 15 what does paul talk about it's the resurrection of the body why is that because just as you mentioned the we were created as whole people everything was supposed to be in alignment sin came and separated the material from the immaterial and disordered the our you know our desires and our affection that was supposed to be in alignment with the physicality right and not just our bodies but what our bodies did in care of their creation so everything got out of whack i know we're going to have a whole episode on the distortion of sin but it drives me nuts and i know that you know there are a lot of influences that have, have taken place particularly in american evangelicalism that sort of creates christianity as you know oh we're going to die and go to heaven well, what does the end of the story say? Heaven comes down to earth, we get new bodies, and the two are, you know, heaven and earth are connected. And it would, but when we neglect that, you know, the physicality, um, in, you know, to, to focus on our immaterial, on our, you know, on our spiritual, on, uh, you know, it's all spiritual, but on, um, on our affections and how our and that's important but we can't we can't dissociate that from what our bodies do and just a plug this is why in person gathering of the saints mm -hmm. is so important amen i mean it's and, and i'm glad you're bringing it to worship because i think this is where um in, in evangelical culture, because it is so about my inner relationship with the Lord and because emotion takes such a high priority in the way that people worship, the physicality of worship often gets lost. Um, I, when you read, when you read the Bible, for example, if you just go to one of the Psalms, let's go to 47.1. The, the 47th Psalm begins this way. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to joy. Shout to God with cries of joy. It is incredibly physical the way that we worship. Right? So, because of that, the frozen chosen, I'm worshiping in my heart and I'm not moving and I'm not showing a whole lot of emotion, that's out. Clap your hands. How many times are we called to kneel before the Lord, to prostrate ourselves before the Lord? 
physical acts of worship. Um, there's, there is a, I mean, the other side of it is that it's all about the emotional experience, but what you do with your body doesn't really matter. And so you're doing all kinds of weird things with your body and calling it worship. Well, no, the way we use our bodies in worship matter because we've been created as physical beings. This is why the sacraments are physical. There's a physical something that you taste and eat. There's a, there's a physical drinking. There's a physical pouring of water. If it was all spiritual, then I could just look at somebody and say, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I now consider you baptized in mm. the Lord with no, with no water. But no, it's physical. Right. <laughs> the physical is there. That's why you have to have water. And so I think that we have so downplayed what we do with our bodies. I think we can learn from other traditions. You know, I think we can learn from Eastern Orthodox brothers and sisters who, you know, I mean, there's something to having kneelers. There's, you know, the Catholic brothers and sisters have kneelers and there's this expectation that you kneel in reverence before yeah. the Lord, like we're missing some of that in evangelicalism. And I think our worship might be hampered because of it, because there is a beautiful way of worshiping the Lord with our bodies um, that we lose when we so elevate the inner life. Amen. So um, we have here the creation of Adam in the garden, or at this point, he's not named Adam. He's just, Ha'adam, the man, um, he won't be named Adam until chapter 4, and that's after the fall, and there's all kinds of things to talk about there. Um, but he's created, he's created special. The first man and first woman are created special and placed in the garden. They're placed there to rule. They're placed there to be uh, image bearers, made in the likeness of God. So we have a lot of different things to talk about, and I don't know that we have the time to get into all of that right now. Uh, but Lisa, when it comes to um, special creation and the importance of understanding that God has made us distinct from the rest of creation, um, what are any last words, last thoughts that come to mind in this special creation? I, you know, just again, just, just to remember that our bodies matter. You know, we yes, let's make sure we tend to the soul, right? But and when we give it, and I think when we do give attention to what we what we do physically as much as feeding our soul, what that does is it gets back to that original um, that original creation purpose, right? Because one way to really undermine that is to separate the two, right? Which is another thing that drives me nuts is, and I don't see it so much anymore, but for a while there, you have this debate in the church, word ministry or deep ministry. It's both, right? Yeah. You don't separate them. <laughs> it's right. both. Right. Amen. And we really it's need both. to think, we really need to think in, in holistic terms, right? Because by doing so, the, in the ways that our bodies can align with our affections and our affections being, you know, being devoted to the Lord. In that way, we're getting back to it's it's a reversal of the curse that Christ came, that Christ redeemed us from. And it's getting back to that original creation purpose. Amen. Amen. And, and I think, you know, my, my last word here 
would be, uh, we, we haven't touched on this, and, and I think this might be the extent of our touch on this. Um, the fact that we are created matters. That we did not just randomly show up here, that this isn't some evolutionary accident. Um, but God created us is one of the essential truths of the Christian faith. You know, and, and we can talk about how we can have those debates, those intramural scrums about how did God do it. But what we can't release is the truth that he did. He created us and he created us for a purpose to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Um, he created us special and that there's worth and there's dignity in that. And so, um, you know, one of the things that is a, a lie that's out there that is um, strangely backwards is that if we're created, that doesn't mean we're special, but that if we are some sort of an evolutionary accident, then we are special because look at what has happened and now you can use that's it. Backwards. Got that backwards. Yeah, it's backwards. It's completely backwards. And, and so I just, you know, especially if people are really struggling with self-worth, struggling with thinking through, you know, what is my purpose here? What, what, what am I even doing with my life? The good news and the encouragement of this is God especially created you for a purpose. It's to glorify him and to enjoy him. And to not lose sight of the beauty of being a created person. It is beautiful to be human. And we don't want to lose sight of that. And so um, that's all I've got for folks today. Lisa, thank you for a fun conversation. And uh, we'll see everybody next time for another episode of Family Discussion. Well, thank you again for joining us for this week's family discussion. If you'd like to learn more or catch up on episodes you missed, head on over to our home at reformedmargins.com. There you'll find great content about a whole host of issues that we pray will bless your relationship with Jesus, including articles written by Lisa Spencer and me, Marcos Ortega. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Your hosts are Marcos Ortega and Lisa Spencer. Our producer is Larry Lynn. Family Discussion is hosted by Podbean and recorded with Audacity. If you like what you heard today, it would be a great help to us if you gave a quick review and rating on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite content so that you don't miss our next family discussion. Thank you.